You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the show where we talk about Oscars movies a lot. Today, we're continuing our Oscars, our, our Oscars coverage, preparation, retrospective, whatever you want to call it. We're going to go back to the 81st Academy Awards in 2009, honoring the movies of 2008. This is the year when Heath Ledger won, famously won an Oscar for The Dark Knight, for The Dark Knight. Uh, this is the movie where Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Tropic Thunder. Uh, and let's see, what else was there? Departures from Japan won Best Foreign Language Film. We are talking about none of those movies today. Today we're going to talk about the movie that won Best Picture. It's Slumdog Millionaire. Now, uh, there is a spoiler warning on this one. Uh, it's probably about 20, 30 minutes in. You'll hear it. But... Uh, this movie, this this episode is pretty light on spoilers, but you know we ha we have a couple, and they spoil the ending. So, if you don't want the ending spoiled, maybe hang back once that spoiler warning comes up. This movie did also win several Academy Awards in uh, sound and song related categories. It actually won every single one in a sound or song related category. So here's Jai Ho which is the best original song from 2008. Here's just a piece of that. This is the credits music, so I guess that's another spoiler if you don't want that. Here it is. listening to another episode of heatwave radio's classic movies live and today we are coming at you live from february 22nd 2009 the place is the kodak theater in hollywood los angeles the room is packed imagine that a packed room and today we are here to not to honor the best movies of 2008 what are those movies well one of them was the reader Another one was Milk. Another one was Frost Nixon. And there was The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. What is this year? The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> and uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, Danny Boyle's movie about the slums of Bombay, Slumdog Millionaire. What do you yeah. want to say about uh, what do you want to say about these Oscars, Pierre, before we launch into talking about this movie? 
Uh, not my. Like, I actually haven't seen any of the other movies, which is unfortunate. I've heard Curious Case of Benjamin Button is in a, a really, really good movie. Um, it's definitely like, uh, actually, I, I probably want to watch that as soon as possible. Um, and also has it Brad is. Pitt, which is as Benjamin Button, which I think is awesome because I love Brad Pitt. So, yeah, I gotta say, I think like most of the stuff that I have to say about this year, we're gonna talk about when we get there because Slumdog Millionaire uh, won eight Oscars at this uh, at these at this awards ceremony out of ten that it was nominated for, mm-hmm. is pretty huge like movies often win multiple oscars but eight is a lot i think this was only the fourth the third or the fourth movie ever to win exactly eight oscars movies mm-hmm. before and since have won more but this was the only one this was like the third third ever to win eight exactly one of the other ones was gandhi which is interesting because those are like i think those are also two of the only movies about india or Indian in any way, shape, or form that have won Oscars. And when I say in any way, shape, or form, like, these are not really Indian movies. Um, not even not really, like, kind of not at all. But I did want to touch very briefly on something before we talk about Slumdog Millionaire. This is the year that, uh, this is the first year that a superhero movie won an Oscar, if I'm remembering correctly because this is the year that The Dark Knight won Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger as the Joker. Uh, Obviously an incredible performance, but I just want to also say that in that, in the Best Supporting Actor category was Robert Downey Jr. with one of his career highlight performances as Kirk Lazarus in Tropic Thunder. So these are two, like, these are two movies that I would never have ever expected to get Academy Award nominations but also are like two of the highlights of these actors' careers. And like, I don't know that I have that much to say about those because we're not talking about those movies right now, but like mm-hmm. those are notable for sure. Yeah. Well, this is this was actually a pretty historical Oscar because um Oscar is because this is the last year they had five best picture nominations, right? Oh um, yeah. Before basically the backlash from the Dark Knight not being nominated. Uh, and, and largely snubbed, actually, honestly, uh, for for a lot of the awards. Um, it this this is when they decided to do ten because I think that gave them the opportunity to uh, basically allow in fan favorites or highly acclaimed fan favorites without necessarily letting them win. Um, so yeah, and that kind of softens the blow, I guess, and gives well, uh, I- certain movies the recognition they might deserve. And I think, have they since expanded it from 10 to just however many? I don't remember. Or is it still uh, like yeah, hard I, cut I think, at 10? Like last year was like eight, right? Or something. I don't think it's, I don't think there might not be a necessarily a number, a specific number, but uh, either, yeah, either way, just the fact that the, I think the Dark Knight was the one that really changed that rule uh, is uh, is really, really cool. And um, almost in a way better than winning an Oscar in of itself. So, uh, yeah. And also, yeah, I, I'll agree. I think I think it's awesome. Heath Ledger won for that supporting actor role, which I think you know probably will go down. Um, I guess it's opinionated, but in general, one of the greatest and well most well known acting performances of all time for sure. I think uh, like yeah, it's it's one of the most notable Oscars of all time somehow or another because like I feel like if you ask 
you know, some, if, if you ask like any random person, you know, who, who won an Oscar when people can't necessarily tell you exactly who won for what, but everyone knows that Heath Ledger won for the Joker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, very, it's actually a pretty historic Oscar in a lot of ways. Uh, Oscars a uh, year in a lot of ways. So, uh yeah it's cool to you know to put i guess put that in in perspective um but yeah slumdog millionaire was is actually like it's one of those rare movies that you get where i, I actually think it deserves all the praise it got um and it was a really cool movie um why don't you tell us a little bit about it and what yeah. makes it so <laughs> I cool was hoping, i was hoping you'd do that uh yeah i'll tell you so it's basically the story of uh, Jamal, some, I can't remember his last name, Malik, uh, who is, uh, he is a contestant on India's How Do You Want to Be a Millionaire? And uh, he gets beaten and interrogated by the police uh, right before, or I guess there's a, there's a break um, because the show ends technically right when he's about to reach the last question. And he's interrogated by the police and they want to know how did he know all those questions and how he was cheating. And basically, this allows him an opportunity to go through his past and show the police and kind of the audience what, uh, what the story behind him knowing each of these answers was and, uh, and kind of bringing us up to speed to, right, to, of his story right before he goes into winning that uh, million-dollar question, I guess. Mm -hmm. or possibly winning <laughs> but yeah i, I think mean, i think the name kind of speaks for itself but yeah it's it's not a spoil it's not that much of a spoiler to say he wins yeah like, you go into the movie expecting that and like by the time it comes around to that point in the movie you're like oh is he gonna win but like you know he's gonna win mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah i i don't what what did you it was it won best picture and best director and best adapted screenplay so like these are all very highly sought after categories. Um, do you, what do you think? Do you think it deserves them? Oh man, I don't really know. Like I, first off, Slump Dog Millionaire is in general, a pretty good movie. Like it's, it's very good. I can't pretend it's not. Uh, it is, um, I, the only other movie so i've seen of the best pictures i've seen curious case of benjamin button and frost nixon neither of which would really be my pick over slumdog millionaire so i think maybe it deserved best picture of the nominees as for everything else like i don't i don't i don't really know if this one necessarily deserved it over these other ones but like it was it was good and like it's a i guess in general sure it deserved it yeah let's go with that mm -hmm. okay <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's like a very passive-aggressive. Really sure. Yeah, I guess it is. Well, like, um, I don't know. I, I, I also noticed as I was saying that, like, I, I have a lot of stuff to say about this movie. And, mm -hmm. like, ultimately, I do like it. It has some problems. And, like, those problems do not ruin the movie for me. I think it still deserves most, most of the praise it got. Um, deserves a lot of the criticism it got, too. But I can't really speak on a lot of that. But, like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to say it without sounding passive aggressive. I'm not trying to. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, I, I can, okay. I, to be fair, I actually haven't seen these other movies, but I, this is actually like uh, a movie that really draws me in. Um, 
kind of like, and I don't really necessarily think it's doing anything that amazing specifically. I think it's just a really solid uh, take on kind of a, a bio, a biograph, not a, okay. I, it's actually not a biographical movie. It really feels like one though. And it's kind it's, it's shot like a biopic or at least like structured like a biopic. It yeah. isn't technically one, but it kind of is, even though it mm -hmm. isn't. Yeah. And I, I, I really do love the premise of, um, of how they frame the, the kind of stages in his life. I think, I think a lot of, a, a lot of movies, what, when they, when they kind of tell a life story, they get lost in in the scheme of it, and because there's really no structure, right? They're just uh, they're telling this life story, but the truth is, you can't really tell the story of someone's life uh, in two hours. Which is, I think that's that's a quote from uh, uh, Citizen Kane, right, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, like, there's that, but then this movie has, I guess it's from the book, right? But it's it's the book has this genius idea of of he knows the answers to each of these questions because of the fact that uh, these very important moments in his life involved uh, the answers to the questions, basically. So, and so that's why it gives the movie a ton of structure, which is, it really needs. Um, and I, I love that framing device, I guess. And in terms mm -hmm. of, I do think, despite like how solid a lot of these things are, a, a lot of the movie is, like I, I think the... The characters are great, and I think the screenplay is really good. I think it does really lean into some cliches, especially once we hit the third act, which is unfortunate. And um, and it does feel kind of rushed. I actually wish this movie was like 20, 30 minutes longer um, because it skips over a lot of stuff that I think was really important, even though I don't know what necessarily should have been there. And... Um, mm -hmm. It it takes a lot of these really complex issues and kind of boils them down into this really classic Hollywood ending that doesn't entirely feel earned in many ways. So it's hundred percent a feel good movie. I'd actually compare it a lot to The King's Speech, which I also love, but despite its flaws, um, and uh, but I still I it really they both really really drew me in for sure. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily because of like quality things. It's like it's kind of. Like I'm a sucker for romance. So that's why I really I really do love this movie. Sure. Um yeah, I would uh, I would agree with a lot of that. I would say for me, I actually don't love how the framing device is used. Uh I think it's a good framing device and when it works, it really works, but when it doesn't work, I feel like it really really doesn't work. Um mm. because basically the framing device is he gets a question and then you hear, and then you see his life story, you know, a relevant chapter of his life, the next chapter of his life, basically, that tells you why he knows the answer to that question. When that works, it's really cool. When it doesn't work, it like draws you, it like smash cuts you from the modern day who wants to be a millionaire to something completely tonally dissonant and then is there for like 20 minutes and then suddenly mm. rips you back out of that so now you have to like deal with that tonal dissonance again. Uh, mm. I think the biggest, the biggest example of that to me, well, no, this is actually one of the times when it works. One of the times when it does work <laughs> is like um, when his brother, there's a scene where his brother, uh, where him and his brother get their hands on a gun and use it to kill a crime boss. And then his brother like goes 
kind of mad with power now that he's got this gun. And uh, the question is, who invented the revolver? And like when it smash cuts you back to who invented the revolver, like it brings with it all of the emotions of like of, of the very last scene, which is his brother doing something very stupid with a gun. I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's probably shooting someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that works because it brings all of those emotions back with it. And then and, and those emotions like carry over in the way that Dev Patel delivers the answer, Samuel Colt. But then uh, there's another scene. Well, like there's, oh, what's the what's? I'm trying to think of a scene where it really doesn't work. And I think like one is who's on the hundred dollar bill. Uh, who's on the American hundred dollar bill is Benjamin Franklin. And the reason that he knows that is like he had a friend that eventually that, that was like made blind by this crime boss that they eventually kill later on. And he tells him at one point in a critical moment of his life, he goes, uh, the person on the $100 bill is Benjamin Franklin. Just remember that <laughs> in case fair, you need yeah. that for, for who wants yeah. to be a millionaire later. And then when it comes back to that, like you see him say, oh, it's Benjamin Franklin. And it's like, how do you know that? Oh, they, they tip me $100 bills. <laughs> when you've just like seen this child go blind. And like, it's that's actually another example where it works a lot better than, you know, where it completely fails. But mm. there it's just sort of like, it's, it's still kind of weird because you go from watching child abuse to the modern day storyline, which like everything leads up to there, it gets there. But when you just like brought back into it, it's sort of, you, you deal with a tonal dissonance that it feels like it doesn't have to have. I guess. Sure. Yeah, I can. I could kind of see that. I think the um, action. I actually didn't think of that at all. Um, but that that is kind of a good point. I will say. I I, I do think though that Dev Patel's performance kind of eases that transition um, because mm. he in the millionaire scenes he definitely feels like someone that does not belong in that environment at all. Um, For sure. So like the the tonal shift kind of stays in a in a way even. Or like the tone stays in a way, even though it's like not very felt. Um, so I yeah I understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and then also with the what we're saying about the flashbacks, I do agree that sometimes I actually didn't understand what the where he got the answer. Um, which like I guess I guess I don't. It, it's kind of weird because I don't want the movie to just feed it. Like I think actually like you like you said the George Washington thing felt kind of forced because it was just like. This, Benjamin Franklin, but yeah, uh, yeah, yes, uh, because it, it just felt like it was out of nowhere, right? And like, mm-hmm. um, it was like it was almost like it was telling the audience, like, oh, or checking off a box, like, oh, this is where he got it, but like, this isn't really important to the story. We just kind of needed a way to fit the answer in here somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's a weird because I, I also don't want all the answers to come from these really emotional moments because that feels a little cliche. Um, which I think the movie does, right? Because I think when he when he finds out about Ben Franklin, it doesn't feel like this huge emotional moment necessarily. Uh, at least the movie doesn't frame it that way. It frames it a little more casually, um, mm-hmm. which I think is nice because like it it doesn't make it feel too cliche. But then the way the movie ends and the like the the more I I got into the movie, I realized this movie is chock full of cliches and coincidences that it really. It's it's basically a fairy tale, right? 
Um, oh yeah. And not I realistic think- at all. So I kind of wish that they leaned into that more and made like each, each of these clues or answers were actually a deeply emotional moment. Um, and it like, it ties directly into it. Right. I kind of wish we got that more because like, it felt like the movie was trying to have it both ways. And, um, it, it, it's not really fooling the audience to think that it, it bas- it's basically a fairy tale movie, hundred percent. So what, what, what did you saying? think of Dev Patel? I guess, I guess he wasn't uh, nominated, but I think it's, it'd be cool to talk about him a bit. He, he wasn't nominated for this. And like, I think that's a shame, but also like, I also don't think he was necessarily best actor material here. This is his breakout role. I don't know if it was his actual first time in a movie, but mm-hmm. I think it was his first time acting in a movie. Um, so like people had not seen Dev Patel really before that. I think he was in a British TV show. Um, but, uh, I really liked him and like, I still really like Dev Patel and I've kind of liked him since I saw this movie when it came out. Uh, yes, this was his first movie. I think that his, uh, his performance in this is very good, especially for a first time performance. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like, it's not necessarily groundbreaking. But like, he's doing a great job, and like you said, he really fits. He really gives the gives the movie the energy it needs with uh, just feeling like he doesn't quite belong, and partially, you know, partially because in the context of the movie, he actually never belongs in the situations that he's in. Like he's just from a completely different class, but also because like he gives it just enough awkward energy so that he doesn't feel like. He doesn't come across as awkward in the same way as like someone in a rom-com or something, but mm-hmm. he comes across as like just out of place enough that he makes a very good audience surrogate, I guess, would be the best way to put it. That's fair. Yeah, I I I I, I do think he he kind of needed to maintain a certain level of uh like because <laughs> I don't think he could have been a great actor in this role. Just cuz like the the character is so I think it's simple on purpose. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just very innocent. Right. Um, and I think adding too much depth to the character actually hurts it because, uh, in the end, this is just a dude that, that is in love with a girl. And that's basically yeah. the whole movie. Right. Um, this movie I don't necessarily is a think we need it more. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say this movie, like if you look at it on paper, I can see why you might think it's a character study, but this movie is a vehicle for its framing device. Mm-hmm. Which is love. A love story. Well, yeah, but I'm saying... Well, like, the, the lo- millionaire thing, sorry. Yeah, I was saying this movie exists because someone thought it would be a really cool idea to tell a fairy tale in the form of answers to <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire. And yeah. straight up, that's a cool idea. So they were right about that, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah, so like it's it's a cool concept. Um, I'm yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I think a lot, like uh, I don't I don't say because the first the first two acts feel so real, right? Um, when they're kids, basically, and then which also I, I have to say I I kind of feel bad for the actors and actresses in the movie because I think like splitting up the roles really affected their odds of getting nominated at all. Um, even though I think there were some, I, I thought the child performances were really great. Um, they were way better than they had any right to be, for sure. Yeah, like, and honestly, like, I think, well, I mean, the kids got more screen time, but like, in some ways, I think, like, 
the kids uh, actually like put in a more memorable role than than the in the adult scenes. Um, just because like I think they had a, I think that's that's when the storyline kind of screws up and they have a lot less to work with, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean like I it's just such a feel good movie, but like also it just nothing nothing feels earned, you know? Like I, I love the brother character. Uh do you know his name? Is is it Rakim? I think it's Salim. Oh man, I need to let me check really quickly. Um it yeah, is Salim Malik. Salim Malik. Okay. So I, I love how, cause I, I think it's really interesting how we have this, this character that is basically a dick, right? He's not a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of seems that way since he was a kid, right? He's, he's a, he's a hustler. He, he, he's, but he's really smart in terms of, uh, he is a survivor, right? And the only reason, uh, Jamal is able to survive as long as he is is because of his brother um in a lot of ways right and i think it was really interesting because you have this dynamic where uh you know he's he's a terrible person uh to and sometimes to jamal but also he is a kind of a necessary evil in their lives because they're living in this world where it feels like everyone's kind of against them and the only way that they could uh, you know, they, they're kind of, they kind of represent both sides of, of, uh, of us in a way where we have the Jamal who is like kind of the innocent, innocent person that it's almost like he believes in a better world and mm-hmm. he's kind of like, he has hope for the future. Um, but he could not survive by himself with that attitude. And then, uh, um, the other, oh God, what's his name? <laughs> Salim. Salim. Uh, is is kind of like the necessary evil who does not believe in a better world, but uh, he's nice in that he will he will do anything for his brother, at least for the and most his, part. And his character kind of has him, you know, ending on a, another fairly stereotypical note, like there's no hope for me left in this world, but maybe tomorrow can be a better day or something. Yeah, it feels... Uh, wait, do you care about spoilers? Can we get into it? or I think at... Right, right now. Here's your spoiler warning. Cool. Um, Salim's change is really, really unearned, completely unearned, and it actually really bothers me because it comes out of nowhere, and I just don't buy that the character like would ever do this. At least not this quickly, which is why I think the movie needed a lot more time. Um, because that jump between them is like twelve and twelve, maybe like teenagers, young teenagers to adults um especially since i feel like it implies that these characters have even like i i i thought it was implied salim became worse because he didn't really have jamal to hold him back basically uh to see that turnaround for really no gain of his own and also i don't think his character ever showed any remorse for his actions especially because his actions are a big part of why what kept them alive in a lot of ways is like it just feels ridiculous to me. And it's, it really throws away such an amazing, basically the only really good character in the movie that had a lot of layers to him and uh, just kind of throws it out the window just to give the movie a quicker closure uh, for the sake of maybe pacing, I guess. I think like that just comes down to being a casualty of what you mentioned earlier, that this movie is a fairy tale but it tries to have it both ways and seem realistic at some points. And like, it really can't. And because it can't 
quite decide. It gives the brother a fairy tale ending when he hasn't earned it because the brother is the the brother has not been leaning into the fairy tale aspect of this movie. Yeah, he feels like the real he feels like Jamal is the one that is kind of believes in fairy tales, right? Like he he's the dreamer mm-hmm. and Salim is the the real character. So to have this fairy tale like change of character for someone that is the realistic character, it just feels ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I honestly, the more I think about the other characters, I I, I don't really have much to say about them because they're pretty basic. Um, Latika, I actually feel kind of bad about uh, Latika. Latik, I think it's La- pronounced Latika or something like that. Um, but I I think her she doesn't really get an arc, and I think it's unfortunate that the character is basically reduced to um, a goal for Jamal to achieve. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there really isn't anything else to it, especially because I thought when uh, Jamal finds her again, that there would be some sort of doubt in her because <laughs> to be clear, these, the, these two were technically like in love, quote unquote, when they were like six or eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they actually hadn't really seen each other at all for about, I want to say it had been basically 10 or more years since they had seen each other and actually talked. Because they, they met again when they were teenagers, but it was very short-lived. And right. they didn't really say anything to each other. So like for this, for her character to completely change when she sees Jamal and is kind of ridiculous and feels completely unearned. And I, I think her character deserved a lot more um, attention, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of a shame that uh, the person who plays Latica is Frida Pinto. And I mean, the child actors have more time in this in general than the older actors, but it's not as bad with uh, Dev Patel and Madhur Mittal, who plays his brother Salim, because the child actors who play them, I mean, they're they're, uh, regular sized actors still get enough time because they're they're in it for a long time like it's about them but Mm -hmm. latica uh she's i think her and jamal meet once before he goes on the game show and like so she has very so frida pinto who plays her has very little screen time because latica is only in it for a few minutes as a fully grown adult Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean it's just I guess it's unfortunate. I, I definitely think the the adult, it seems the adult portion in general just really needed a lot more time to kind of flesh out where they were all at in their lives and maybe their mindsets. Because like if they gave me something more to to work with, then I could buy these character changes, these quick character changes, right? Um, yeah. But with no backstory, especially because, you know, it's been like 10 years since the last time they all saw each other. I don't, I, it's pretty reasonable to expect that uh, we, we would basically need an, a, a reintroduction to where they're all at in their lives, but we don't really get that um, at all. And I, I guess, like, again, this, this movie has really good pacing on paper, which is probably why they didn't do that. Um, mm. But in terms of developing these characters, the pacing really shoots itself in the foot because, uh, you know, that's uh, not, nothing. It, it just kind of falls apart and it feels weird to have so to have given so much attention to their childhood. And then uh, once we get to the present where 
we really need to where all everything pays off it, it doesn't it's almost like the characters aren't the same but yeah um i think uh it's all well i also wanted to sh- i wanted to talk a little bit about the directing in this because this movie did also win for best director uh mm-hmm. i believe this is from my understanding this is the only time danny boyle's ever won for best director and um i guess what what did you think of the directing in this movie uh i thought it was all right i thought i think everything worked well together i don't necess- i don't know danny boyle as a director personally i think i've only seen steve jobs with him um he seems to bring certain tonal characteristics to his movies i i wouldn't necessarily say he has a certain style that i that I can really notice, um, but it was solid. Uh, what did you think? Uh, well, if you watch more Danny Boyle, you will notice that this is very much his style. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say, or that's what I was gonna say specifically with this is just basically that uh, this is a very Danny Boyle movie, and like watching it, it's that's just what I get out of it. Like I'm watching this, and it has. Danny Boyle's like the style of film editing and cinematography that goes with this movie is also very Danny Boyle. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I'm trying to find now if he's like worked with the cinematographer and the film editor a lot because I mean it feels very it's it's surprise surprisingly it seems like he has not worked with the cinematographer. Oh, the film editor. He did he had not worked with the film editor before. And it doesn't sound like he's worked with the film editor since. And the cinematographer, he also, no, he had worked with before. Okay, he'd worked with him before, specifically on 28 Days Later, which is uh, my favorite Danny Boyle movie. So I maybe that's why this seems to me like a Danny Boyle movie, because it is cinema, the cinematographer is the exact same as in 28 Days Later. Mm. But yeah, okay, he's got those, uh, sorry. I was going to ask you, like, what, what are the characteristics that you find? Um, uh, well, the, the color palette, for one thing, is, like, mm-hmm. sort of not, not really... I don't think washed out is the, is the word for it. It's very weirdly saturated. Like, it's not oversaturated, but it's, like, got just kind of a weird palette to it. Um, also, I don't know if it came across like this to you, but to me, the film editing... <clears throat> And the only thing I can describe it with is like, it felt like it had a weird frame rate. Like it didn't feel like it was lagging at all, but like the, the, it felt like a lot of the scenes, um, what is, what am I trying to say? Like the movie had no, a lot it. There's of, a, there's a lot of scenes where the frame rates cut to like almost like 10 frames a second. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, not, it's very consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's not cutting to the point where it's like, it where it seems like you're watching the movie on like a really bad frame on, on like a really bad resolution or something, but it cuts to the point where it seems kind of swimmy in a in a way, mm-hmm. and also um, especially in the more mo- in the more ah, in the modern day scenes, uh, there's a lot of film grain that isn't necessarily specifically Danny Boyle thing, but it does sort of add to that whole style that I'm talking about. Yeah, um, that's fair. I, I did notice that a couple times. I also w- will say, I don't know if, again, I don't know if this is a Danny Boyle thing. I noticed a lot of Dutch angles. Um, they mm, were used very yeah. well, but uh, they were there. And like, there yeah. were, I really noticed it. 
Yeah, I I like them. I they might be a little overused, but I think it's I think it's I, I think it was pretty fun. It was never like annoying to me or anything, and it it added a little visual flair that mm-hmm. uh you know I think a lot of movies don't risk because I think Dutch angles are honestly a pretty risky move to make uh, in bigger movies specifically. So yeah, they uh, yeah, they can be a very risky move, but like it never bothered me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wait, I, I guess, I don't know, I never noticed them, actually, I never noticed them in Steve Jobs, or, I actually saw yesterday, I, I, did, I didn't realize that was a Danny Boyle movie. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say, I don't think that is a Danny Boyle thing, that might have been a thing in, I, I, I remember a couple in uh, 28 Days Later, I could be, I could be imagining them, but like, I mm. definitely remember seeing Christopher Eccleston at a weird angle in that movie. Yeah. But that's, you know, one single shot. That doesn't mean that he did it a lot yeah. either. I will say, I wonder if he was, like, I don't know much about the making of this movie. I wonder if he was using Bollywood movies as a template in terms of cinematography. Um, because it, it, in some ways it does feel like, like specifically like the frame choices or the, the, the slower frame choices I've never seen. Uh, it used in the way it does it is in this movie like so consistently um so i wonder if that's like a trademark bollywood thing um and same thing with maybe the dutch angles that like they use that they use those a lot when they film but again i have no idea because i don't watch uh, i haven't really seen any bollywood movies recently at least so i will yeah. like this movie did seem like it was taking an aesthetic of bollywood movies it was not very bollywood in general but like I feel like it was taking a like like it was taking inspiration from Bollywood movies, but probably very specific ones because the Bollywood movies I've seen and there haven't been that many, but the Bollywood movies I've seen aren't even like this in the way that I'm like they're not even really shot like this, but mm-hmm. like I I still can't shake the feeling that he is taking some aesthetic inspiration from Bollywood. I just don't know which movies specifically. Probably yeah. that's listed in the Wikipedia, you know, because he, I'm sure he said what movies he watched to get ready for this. Yeah, that's pretty common. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's really all I can say about the cinematography and the film editing, and hopefully it wasn't completely incoherent, but unfortunately I just don't have very much else to say, even though this movie won for those things. Yeah, I, like, I... I I don't know if I can really say anything against like it it winning because um, it it did them pretty well, but like I I don't necessarily think it it had like any anything that really none of those things really stuck out to me. Um, I so, like Danny Boyle yeah. a lot, so I like seeing. So I do like seeing like a movie that I recognized as distinctly Danny Boyle being recognized for the things that make it distinctly Danny Boyle. So like. I'm glad that it won for those things, even though those things were not necessarily Danny Boyle things. I guess, I guess the directing <laughs> yeah. was that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like. It's I guess it's a fun movie. I don't. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I agree with Tim watching it. I don't necessarily think it's like one of the best movies ever, but I, I'm pretty happy with like it winning. Uh, for what it did, honestly, like I don't. I do need to watch more movies from this year, but uh, like, I don't know, like, did you have a good time watching it? I guess because, like, I think with a fairy tale like movie like this, the biggest thing is just like how good did you feel? 
when you watched it? First time I watched it, I had a great time watching it. The next times that I watched it, so in preparation for this, I also enjoyed it. I personally found that the start dragged a lot. And like, that is not a common opinion, I'm sure, because uh, the start is where the meat of the movie is. Like, all of the kids stuff, to me, that was, I didn't love how that was paced. I don't know why exactly it's just not i i don't know i don't know why because like i think it's just that the the um the the first half of the movie where they're where they're kids and the second half of the movie where they're not kids are very different and i'm not sure like the the second half pulls me in more but it's less interesting and the first half is more interesting, but that's where you get those weird tonal shift issues that I talked about. And like, they don't come up all the time, but because of that, to me, this movie is like weirdly paced and I don't know how to feel about it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. I, uh, um, especially, like, especially with how gritty those first ones are. And, and like, I think it did it on purpose, but like the, some of the stories really didn't feel that, uh, important, I guess, to the characters um, and to the overall concept, like that that scene where he uh, basically falls into <laughs> falls into some shit to get an autograph, right? It, it, I think it's the first scene, right? It's the first flashback. Yep. But it doesn't really necessarily tell us anything that we we don't get told later in the movie, anyways. From what I can tell. Yes, um, but to me, I actually really appreciate that flashback because to me, that's explaining what this movie's about. It's like, we're going to show you a question and then we're going to show you a flashback to uh, explain why he knows that question. I'm like, yeah. that one, I, that flashback could definitely tie into things better. But also then you have things like the Benjamin Franklin flashback, which um, is just kind of pulled out of nowhere. But like, to me, if the de- if the framing device is this question and then answer, like the first flashback is actually the most effective use of that. It's not the most effective use of like, it's not the most effective scene of like telling this guy's life story, but it is the most effective use of using that, uh, or uh, the most effective use of that framing device specifically. Mm, that's fair. I, I do. I guess I, I see what you mean in that it's it's kind of like its own standalone thing. Um, mm. And it's a cute little story, I guess. I think I almost kind of wish the movie followed that that a little more throughout because like like having them having each story be a little more self-contained. Um, yeah, because I, I think that might have actually helped the ending. But then uh, because like with these flashbacks with with how connected they became and how important they kind of built they were building building into each other uh it really builds up builds up a, a more uh, a higher payoff than we really get um because in the end i don't think a lot of a lot of what we get from these scenes in terms of like uh it's it's because a lot of it feels like a reflection of just like what you have to do to survive and when you live in the the slums of of, of a country right? right but that really doesn't tie into the, the ending at all so mm-hmm. it, I, I almost would have appreciated it more if if each one was kind of its cute own little story that that had these themes in it but it wasn't necessarily like the main focus like it felt like in the movie and then i think the ending might have paid off better 
just because we aren't expecting like this uh we aren't expecting this huge commentary maybe or like on on uh on poverty or like or uh or what we or what people have to do to survive or all this moral ambiguity that is kind of displayed uh we just kind of we get we they get these cute stories and then we kind of they all culminate into like a cute ending and it mm-hmm. feels more what the movie was trying to do i guess mm-hmm. in general but then it kind of shoved in all these like really heavy topics that never really get solved or commented on they're just kind of there and it right. drags the movie down a bit so um, um yeah but i, I think yeah. there was you you mentioned uh I guess before the show, there was some controversy with this movie in terms of how they portrayed, I guess, uh, India, right? Yeah, uh, this this movie was pretty controversial among among in India, uh, or like among among the Indian movie scene, uh, for a lot of very understandable reasons. I think, well, the one that like ties in most to what we've just been talking about is. This is a movie made by a British man who uh, who <laughs> has said on the record that he made this movie to learn more about India. So he literally so basically he admitted he has no idea what he's talking about going into it if he's making a movie about India. Um mm-hmm. which ultimately he made a fine movie. I do not think that this movie should be seen as a movie realistically depicting Bombay or Mumbai in any way. Um and like as long as you can accept that, I think it's still fine because I think this movie works really well as, you know, a nice little fairy tale movie with um, just a, 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 a nice little story going to it. I guess the part of the issue and like this is this is the controversial part is that, well, this is one of the controversial parts is like this is a lot of people's introduction to India somehow because, you know, as as people not living in India we don't necessarily think about India very much. And so when a movie called Slumdog Millionaire about India wins big at the Oscars in 2009, a lot of people watch it and then like, you know, this is what they think Bombay is like, which mm-hmm. it's not, but you know, you can see where that comes from. And so I yeah, think when sure. the, yeah, I think like the controversy, controversy, a lot of, a lot of uh, Indian critics specifically, uh, noted that like this isn't really that accurate a portrayal of Mumbai uh, Mumbai or Bombay at all. I think Salman Rushdie specifically said like this story is nonsense. Even the book it's based on is pretty much nonsense. So like <laughs> it's, it's weird to consider this movie a uh you know a depiction of life in the slums in India because it's just such a weird story anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's. I guess that's kind of out. It's unfortunate because I think it's just how audiences perceive it. Um, like again, I I think you're right with uh, how it feels like the movie is trying to commentate on it, but in the end, it, it doesn't. So it's like why? But I think a lot of people that uh, you know haven't been to India or don't understand or un- don't understand it will see this movie and just assume that it's trying to tell a story about how, about how, uh, like a real story about how, how India works basically. Right. Or something like that. Right. Um, I guess that's unfortunate. And I think, 
So the the controversy related to this movie that I specifically wanted to talk about is much lower stakes because like I can't realistically talk about whether or not this is a good portrayal of India. I've never even been to India, I don't think. I might I might have as a child. But like <laughs> the thing about this movie, like so the controversy related to this movie in the Indian uh among among Indian actors and things. It, actors and filmmakers is this movie won big at the Academy Awards. Meanwhile, Bollywood is probably the biggest movie industry in the world. And a, there has never been a Bollywood movie nominated for even the foreign, even the foreign picture award at the Academy, at the Academy Awards. I, yeah. I, could be wrong about that. There may have been one once in the 50s, but I don't know if that counts as a Bollywood movie, and I don't remember if it only made the shortlist or if it actually got nominated. But it never won anyway. Yeah, it feels is, a like, little weird that, like, the first... It feels like it, it, it's almost like the the it's trying to pretend to be, like, a foreign movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, and that's, I think, what it is, because... It's not even just that it's a movie about India. Movies about India that are made in the West exist. There's loads of them. The Darjeeling Limited is kind of, it's, it's not about India at its core, but like it all takes place in India, right? But this isn't just a movie about India. It's a movie that's borrowing a lot of the, like is taking aesthetic inspiration and like wants to look like a Bollywood movie. And it's not, not even a little bit actually. And meanwhile, and, uh, in the same year, there was a movie nominated, the, the Indian movie that was nominated for best foreign language or that was submitted to be nominated for best foreign language feature at the Academy Awards was called, uh, I have it here, Parazamin Par, which was uh, released over here as Like Stars on Earth, which is about an eight-year-old dyslexic child. And it's like all in his, it's a movie that's like a, like in the same year, you have a movie that uh, borrows a lot of aesthetics from Bollywood and that people are going to see like Westerners. We over here, we see it and we're like, oh, that's an Indian movie. And it's not. It's made by a British man about India. That, and it just kind of like looks a little bit like a Bollywood movie, even though it has nothing in common. And like that wins all of the awards at the Academy Awards. Meanwhile, there's an actual Bollywood movie. Uh, Tarazamin Par, which is in a lot of ways quite similar, but it is an Indian movie and it is a distinctly Indian movie, I would assume, because it's a Bollywood movie. And like that movie, you know, people don't even see it over here. It was released over here like, like as Like Stars on Earth. And I'm sure that it did have an audience here. But like I didn't even hear about it until I was researching it for this uh for this episode. So I think like ultimately it I guess like that criticism is just more of like, this is, this is the closest that a lot of people will get to Indian cinema. And like, it's just not, but it kind of pretends like it is. And it doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day, because Bollywood is a huge, huge film industry that has its own dedicated fans, many of whom have, well, many of whom probably won't don't watch a lot of Hollywood films. So like there's, you know, it's there there's some people like but, uh, anyway, like 
Bollywood is a big enough thing that Bollywood is going to survive and Bollywood does fine without Western recognition. But like, it's a little upsetting that like the closest that like India gets no recognition in Western, in like Western filmmaking circles, despite having such a huge filmmaking, filmmaking industry. And then all of a sudden this movie comes around by that's, that is kind of an Indian movie in appearance anyway. And it's made by a British man who knows nothing about what he's talking about. And it wins big at the Academy Awards. So like, I can see where a little, where, where frustration would come in, I guess. I think I've been talking for like 10 minutes now. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a break so that I can breathe for a minute. <laughs> well, this is good, man. It's like, it's a, it's a really, it's a really uh, interesting, like, uh, subject i guess and i I don't think it really got enough attention which is unfortunate i think like to me what this got me thinking of is um it's kind of well i i i have not seen very many bollywood movies i've seen two that i know and i've seen three if i remember right no i've seen upwards of three but downwards of 10 i have not seen that many bollywood movies but like uh, it's kind of a shame. The first time when I think of Bollywood movies, I have to like, I, I immediately think of Slumdog Millionaire and then I got to cross that off. So like, imagine people who have seen even fewer Bollywood movies than me and they think of Bollywood movies, they're probably going to think of Slumdog Millionaire and not cross it off. But anyway, to like keep that out of there, I think like the thing that this got me thinking about is Bollywood is probably the most distinctly different film scene from Hollywood in the world. And like, I don't know the best way to explain that, but like think of movies that you've seen that are not made by British people or Americans, basically like think of parasite parasite. Like I'm going to say that parasite could only have been made by someone with Bong Joon-ho's upbringing. Right. Like that movie had to be made by a Korean man from Korea. On the other hand, uh, it wasn't using techniques or like it wasn't made using techniques or in directing or acting or cinematography or anything like that, that like don't exist in Western cinema. Like Martin. Yeah, I I agree with that. Martin Scorsese could not have made Parasite, but the guy who made Parasite, you know, he's seen a Martin Scorsese movie. Mm hmm. For sure. Meanwhile, like if we look over at Bollywood, there are movies there. Like I would not be surprised if there are directors in Bollywood who have just never seen a Western movie because why would they need to Bollywood? Like things in Bollywood movies, they have, they hit such different, they have first off such a different energy in general than most movies over here. And like they hit such different notes that like, I mean, camera techniques aren't necessarily distinct to, you know, only, only, only people in Mexico can use this camera technique. So like at the end of the day, how you hold a cam, what you do with a camera, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be distinct to Bollywood. But like, if you look at a Bollywood, the tropes in Bolly in Bollywood movies are so much different than tropes in Hollywood movies. And like, from from acting down to like genre tropes to everything it's just such a distinctly different scene that 
I guess I'm not surprised that it doesn't get that much love over in Western cinema, but like, it's not because it's bad. It's necessarily, it's just because it's so, because like every Bollywood movie is so different. I'm thinking of Indian movies I've seen and like the Indian movies I've seen that I have liked most have not been Bollywood movies because the Indian movies that I've seen and really liked have been movies I understand where when I watch Bollywood movies, like I don't dislike them, but they are, they're, they're just such a different experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get like, I totally what you mean, get what you mean about uh, Parasite. I, I don't like for sure. It, it feels like a very, it's an amazing movie, uh, but it, it, it's definitely, I think a movie that could have been made in Hollywood theoretically. Um, it's, it's a movie it, that like I can compare to the things that were up for Academy Awards that year, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, I haven't seen enough Bollywood to know, but there's a lot of techniques and styles. I'd say the same with actually Chinese cinema as well. Um, I've noticed a lot of their they have a lot of techniques that feel very, uh, very, very different. Um, and uh, I appreciate that uh, about it because it's just you know it's representative of. Uh, an entirely different, like an entirely different culture, is obviously mm. going to have some some ways in which their their own uh, cinema styles have evolved to be more unique, right? So, um, and I wouldn't necessarily say like any style is better, but like, like um, it's it'd be cool to see a little more appreciation of the different types. And um, I, I guess in a weird way, a Slumdog Millionaire is kind of like a Trojan horse of, of a of a movie playing playing multicultural when in reality it's it's kind of like it's basically a hollywood movie um with with like the mask of being a a foreign film i guess which in in some ways actually might have helped it win Mm -hmm. because it feels like another movie where hollywood is kind of patting itself on the back for being diverse when in reality it it's kind of a step back in some ways but um this is you know this is how the academy works yeah, it well, it's a step you say a step back in some ways. I would say that it's just not a step forward, but it's not exactly a, it, it it's not as much of a step back as like I don't know, something like Green Book could be for example, but mm. <laughs> but like um yeah, I think it just I guess it comes down to um I get well, not it comes down to. One thing that I also just kind of want to say about this is like I touched on this a little bit in Minari uh, in our in our Minari episode, uh, like it would be cool to see awards shows over here or like not well kind of awards shows. That's where I would notice it. But it would just be cool if more international movies had like got released over here, had a bigger audience. And like I think we can get there. Like with a lot of movies, especially in 2020, releasing on streaming services, like you you can watch whatever you want, basically. I think Netflix has produced several Bollywood movies at this point, too. I think I mentioned that a while back, too. But, like, um, it's just, you know, the reason, probably the biggest reason that neither of us has seen very many Bollywood movies is they're not marketed over here. Uh, Kelowna, where I live, does have a pretty big Indian population. So the Cineplex does put on some Bollywood movies every now and then. But like, Mm -hmm. aside from that, you know, I don't ever see a Bollywood movie marketed over here. 
at all. Like you never see it on TV. If you hear about it coming out, it's because you were looking at something completely unrelated on Wikipedia and there happened to be a link to it. Like there's, there's no publicity for that over here. And there doesn't, I guess, have to be because Bollywood, like I said, is its own huge market that will never need to reach out to the West if they don't want to. But like, I do wish that stuff had more of a presence over here. And like, it's, it's a valid complaint that this stuff does, that like Bollywood movies don't get uh, noticed at, in Western award shows, but like, they kind of don't have to. And I don't know how much they go out of their way to try to, because, uh, I mean, Bollywood movies not being marketed over here is only partially because movie marketers over here or movie distributors here don't think there's a market. Like, mm-hmm. it's also partially because no one in Bollywood ever has to do that. Like, if I'm a guy who, if, if I'm a movie exec that can make all of my movies money back by marketing, by marketing my movie just within India, why would I ever market it anywhere else? Yeah, it's just not necessary for them to be mm-hmm. successful. So, and I think yeah. that's, I mean, maybe even that Chinese cinema too. I wish that, like, I wish that there was a more inter- that the movie market in general was more international because people mm-hmm. make cool movies everywhere, and I want to see them. But like, yeah. it's it's not because it's. I mean, someone in America is making a movie for Americans. Someone in China is making a movie for China for for Chinese people. Uh, Unless that person in America is Michael Bay, in which case they are making a movie for Chinese people. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the only exception. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll we'll see more see more options in terms of who what kind of movies we can see here and stuff, and more embracing of different styles of cinema. So and different cultures. So yeah. So we got to. We kind of got away from it for a while, but uh, let's let's circle back to Slumdog Millionaire very briefly. Uh, what do you think? What do you want to give this movie out of ten? Uh, I'd actually I give it like an eight point five, maybe an eight. Um, I I don't I don't necessarily think it's a a great movie in terms of plot, but I had a really fun time watching it. Um, and I don't really I I don't really think I, I'm asking for any more. Um. But I, I do think that they're like it's losing points because uh, it's just there's just a kind of some sloppy, sloppy writing in, in the third act that um, and it doesn't really pay off. But it's definitely like a, a great movie and very very memorable. And um, I I can't really say because I haven't seen any of the other nominations. But this is a year where I am pretty satisfied with this movie winning. And uh, despite despite the controversies. Um, I actually think this will be a movie that's remembered for quite a while, even though um, I don't necessarily think it's doing anything truly groundbreaking here. But it's just a it's just a solid, fun movie for sure. Yeah, I mean, my score is a little lower, but it's for exactly the same reasons you said. I'm going to give it like a 7.5, but I have nothing to add over what you said, I guess. Yeah, I guess the reason that mine is lower is, I mean, typically our scales are slightly different anyway, but also... In addition to that, I thought the movie dragged a bit and I can't really fully explain why, but the pacing is just not quite what it would need to be for me to rate this a little higher. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of what I, I guess what it comes down to. Fair enough. Okay. Um, um, 
what's our next movie? What was the last one we did? The last one we did was Crash. This is Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, next time is, for another uh, time for another Land, new movie. Is it? Or are we yeah, doing let's do a Nomadland? Okay. All right, so we're gonna Perfect. come back next week and talk about Nomadland. Uh, Jeff, what's the last word? Chloe Zhao. <laughs>